welcome to the Natural Underground, the radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. Oh, thank you. That is an audience of one. An audience of two. The crowd goes wild. <laughs> Spectacular. Wow, what a crowd. I'm your host, Al Springer. Those weird Boo. little noises you heard were from Ryan and Jess, our co-hosts thank on you. this particular program. I weird like little it. noises kind of describes our contributions. <laughs> it exactly is. Speaking of contributions, you have an announcement to make, Jesslyn, regarding our man, Ryan. Ryan, I have Sad dreamt music. about this. Mm. I've hoped for this. As have I. No, it is happening. You are you're flying the coop, and we hope you fly. If you fall on the ground, we can't reintroduce you to the nest because you'll smell different to the mom. While you're down there, that's exactly. (laughs) You will smell weird to the mom. Is that a myth or true? I let's test that out. I have a nest near my house. Oh, we should test that out. I think you're not supposed to touch the eggs. I don't know if the chicks count. I gotta believe you touch the little birdies, man. They are not coming back. God, please don't what test it out. What a horrible intro to a show. <laughs> yeah, that is But tough. Ryan, like those tiny birds, yes. you're flying away, mm-hmm. and we will... To a bigger and better life. We will miss you. We but Ryan's miss you. apparently so busy and so cool and fun that he can't come on our show. On show I would say busy, cool, and fun are not true. That's yeah. a stretch. Which yeah, one of it is, is it? I just clarified the busy part. Okay. See, and that little argumentative tone <laughs> is why no one will miss Ryan. Goodbye, Ryan. Right. But... Uh, so that's why it's my favorite show. But in addition, we also have some great guests on our show today. Today, we're going to be talking about, we're going to go deep underground to understand how today's entrepreneurs are bringing innovation to already very established categories. Oh, absolutely. And how do you go about doing that? We talk about it all the time. It isn't easy. So the, the flip side of the great coin that is innovation, if you launch something that's a breakthrough and something very different, the, the flip side of that is, how do you tell people about it? You need to educate mm-hmm. them. They don't know what it is. Right. And so whether it's the consumer and explain how to use it or retailers, your customers, your business to business on how to sell it, how to merchandise it, they don't know. Right. So that's going to be a little bit the focus of today's show. Yeah. We're going to talk to Allison Everly from Pure Spoon, which is a baby food product. I thought product. she was from the Everly Brothers. I was very excited. Da, da, da. Mm. Great. Boom. Good joke, Al. Yeah. Thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. I practiced uh, that for days. And... We're also going to be talking to Sharon Hackman from Hack's Barbecue Sauce and how he has infiltrated the barbecue sauce space. Another tough spot to to really change. Yeah, and this guy's got an amazing story. He was a... Uh, uh, I stalked him oh, hard. Oh, this hard guy's on got the, the story. You're going to like this. This guy's I'm been a, very excited. a TV celebrity of sorts in the world of cooking, and it's going to be a fun, fun conversation. And as someone who watches a whole lot of those cooking shows, this is personally something that means a lot to yeah, me. Yeah, it's going to be good. I like it. Hey, before we do all that, though, I have a complaint that I want to share with you guys. In fact, okay. I <laughs> think we should start a new segment on this show called The Downfall of Society. We should have started that a long time ago. <laughs> I think yeah. maybe we rename the show The Downfall yeah. of Society. Maybe Is there it's called to go, It's Falling. It's can happening. Can we still go down? Or yeah. I, I thought uh, we hit rock bottom. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you dig deep enough, you can get below where we're already at. Look, <laughs> I'm, I'm just back from tons of travel. None of that matter, matters other than here's the deal. Man, what is it with the American public and hotel-free breakfast? I just had that experience when I traveled to Galveston and we were staying in a free, well, not free hotel. Free hotel. <laughs> it was well, that's a hotel that had a free breakfast. I think that was a cardboard box. That was different. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's always like a weird assortment of fruit and those kind of waxy apples that you're like not sure if you want to bite so into. That's so true, actually. 
It's yeah, waxy. But, but I would go beyond even the food, which is always questionable, right? And 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 because you're right, they have the oddly uniform eggs, uh-huh. the kind of boiled sausage rolling around in yeah. the metal tin, right. or rather than grilled, and always like scones or some yeah, sort of the glazed pastry. Most yeah, but. The, the bakery goods always look like they kind of came out of a bag and they just dumped them out of there and they mm-hmm. bought them a week ago. It's Whatever. kind of impressive how much they've kept cost down on that thing. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah all you like can five see five bucks like for the whole buffet. Oh, yeah. So individually, probably 30 cents a piece yeah. or something. But I'm talking more about the public. The people who come down there, they're weird. And you don't see this in any other well, restaurant. Well, you're there. I'm there. And you're I, the biggest weirdo. brings the weird factor up. I get it. But what I don't understand are two things. Like, why the uh, comfort in coming down in your pajamas? I saw oh, that. Oh, I'm one of those people. Tw- oh, no. Okay, but no. wait, wait, wait. So Jessalyn I'm in like. definitely is one of those people. But, but I'm, I would wear like kind of workout pants and then a sweatshirt. So it's not like full-blown no. matching pajamas. Twice in my four weeks of travel, I saw a guy come down in an undershirt and like his baggy boxer shorts. Oh, no and way. flip-flops. I saw two or three women in just robes from the hotel. I'm like, are we? <laughs> okay, that's it, next I, I don't level. Know. That's right. Where yeah. am I staying? And then the second thing is, so there's all of that. Like, put your put your clothes on, man. Put your that pants on. That is really weird. Mm-hmm. The, the second thing I don't understand that blows me away is everyone acts like they're zombies, right? It's like they're in their own kitchen. <laughs> well, not and you're everyone can be them. the burst of sunshine that you, I'm no, sure I, you are yeah, first yeah. thing in the morning. <laughs> Actually, you you guys know I, I do wake up real upbeat, and that's yeah. my problem, right? I'm like, I, hey, good morning. I Your know opposite th- is Jesselyn. Oh, Jesselyn has to establish. I'm a zombie. If you're a listener, Jesselyn yeah. has to establish, like, look, the next four hours I'll be in my wake-up process. And well, no. Breakfast. Once and I have breakfast, I'm fine. If we got to drive anywhere, it better not be in the back seat. i got to be in the front seat because I get very, because very Because I had an ear surgery? I'm <laughs> oh still my God. paying oh my for that ear surgery. Okay, I have a question, though, really yeah. one. If you go down to the breakfast, right. do you brush your teeth first? Because well, if I'm you saying have, most people don't. If you have orange juice... It's Forget not it. the same. It's so not, are you brushing your teeth or are you I not do, brushing your teeth? I'm not brushing my teeth. I well, do we know that, Ryan. Yeah. First of all, I'm very clean. Let's get that straight. <laughs> but you brush your teeth after breakfast. That's the order of operations. Because I try to do something where I put the teeniest bit of toothpaste on and just kind of rinse it out. So I've made an effort, but well, it's not going to disrupt the orange juice what's happening now with the zombie like. But everyone's bumping into everybody. They get mad. You're in the way. It's so, man... They're manufactured eggs and a waffle machine. It oh, the waffle machine! I forgot about for. that. I don't. Nobody get it. ever no. knows how to work that That's thing. Right. No, it stays. <laughs> yeah. It stays right there. All right. Yeah. How much time do we have, Matt? Matt, what are we looking at here? We got two more minutes before we have to bring in these wonderful and not have to. Want yeah, you to, have you have time for to bring in these wonderful <laughs> for guests. more grievances. <laughs> no, no more grievances. Okay. I just don't understand what's going on in the hotel free breakfast. Hey. Every week, we're going to try and include some industry news if it warrants it. And I was reading about something. Two things are find really interesting. I just want to throw those out there. One is Walgreens, you know, has acquired 1,900 of the Rite Aid stores. Uh-huh. And they've announced they're closing 600 of those combined. Now, mostly Rite Aid, but sometimes they're Walgreens, too. Mm-hmm. The idea is if they're within a mile of each other. So oh. you have all this consolidation mm-hmm. going on. In a second story that I read this week, and I thought it was kind of interesting to our listeners who are in this industry, or even just if you think about how you shop. So in Europe, they were saying that just in the last few months, uh, 45 or so is a total of 90 of the Lidl stores that are in Europe and the Aldi stores that are in Europe 
um, have filed for new locations to open up stores in already very established, very saturated market mm-hmm. that is Europe. The big four other retailers in Europe uh, combined have actually only filed for a total of 10, hmm. which means what's happening in, and they say what's happening in Europe, and man, it's happening in the United States. I just think they may be a little bit ahead of us on it, is this continued evolution in the way people shop. We got to do a show on this in the future in that um, e-com certainly continues mm-hmm. to get big, right? right? Mm-hmm. You buy things online, everybody gets that. But then what's happening in Europe is convenience stores are starting to do more like the prepared food, grab and go, come in Mm. and get something healthy. And then you have the Aldis and the Lidl's of the world all out there doing low price discounting. Mm -hmm. And all of the traditional guys in the middle are just dying off. I mean, they're in real trouble. Right. Yeah. So I think that you see that same thing happening in the United States. We wonder what was happening with Amazon and Whole Foods Mm -hmm. and, you know, What's happening in Europe, I think, is a, is a little bit of a precursor to what's going to happen here. Right. It's online. Mm-hmm. It's super discount or it's experiential inside. If you're just a standard grocery store, you got to move to one of those areas yeah. or you're in trouble. Yeah. Right. I know HEB starting that drive up and oh, have your groceries beautiful. ready for you. Yeah. The HEB near me, which is a very unassuming sort of HEB. It's a big one. Uh, yeah, but, but it's not yeah. the full-size flagship It's humble. Kind of it's unassuming. It's unassuming. <laughs> very charming. calm. Very charming yeah, when you talk sure. to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they put in those big three lanes as you drive in, and it's it's a, it's amazing. Yeah. So lots going on. I feel like the whole landscape of the industry we talk about is changing daily now, and it's getting exciting. All right. When we come back, we have guests. Thank we goodness. Have all, yeah. You don't want to just listen to us rattle on. <laughs> uh, we'll be back with uh, Pure Spoon and Allison Eberly, uh-huh. when you're listening to The Natural Underground. Around the world in my backyard Looking for the crazy peacefulness You wouldn't think it'd be so hard but it Welcome back to The Natural Underground. This is the radio show and podcast dedicated to the natural food industry. Yes. It's all we do, man. That is all we do. <laughs> in this segment of the show, we are going to meet the first of our two guest entrepreneurs who are on the show today, and they're using innovation to reinvent already very established categories. So our first guest today is Allison Eberly, right here in the studio and the founder of Pure Spoon. Thank you for having me. Thanks yeah. for being here. And and Allison, I've already done the Everly Brothers joke like three times. She doesn't look like one of the Everly Brothers. But it hasn't gone <laughs> over well. N- not funny no. now. And it wasn't funny <laughs> it wasn't earlier. It was funny no. 10 minutes ago when I tried it. Uh, okay, whatever. But we, I love when this happens. Yeah, she brought in we some, have some samples. fresh looking, Yay. fantastic. Yeah, so what do we have food. here? So I brought. Five of our flavors. We have 11 just for everybody to try. <clears throat> and even before that, what is Pure Spoon? Uh, I guess what is Pure question. Spoon? So just to give you a little bit of a background, mm-hmm. um, I was a new mom. Gosh, my daughter just turned seven, so it's been a while. Um, and tried to do everything right. I knew I was going to have one, which were, were that's plenty uh, in my world. <laughs> <laughs> and um, went to the store when she was ready for food didn't see anything that I wanted to buy, had no idea that there weren't fresh options until I had it a two-legged. I was the mom who bought my dog, my four-legged child, the fresh food. <laughs> and so I was at Whole Foods. This is when I lived in Houston. Right. <clears throat> and I said, excuse me, you know, where are the fresh options for babies? And they said, well, we don't carry that. Hmm. Huh. 
And they I have fresh that. food for pets, right? Oh, yeah, for Pet everybody. Fresh, or fresh pet or whatever. But not for babies. Wow. So I thought, okay, well, that's not good. So let me just go home and Google it, you know, like everybody mm-hmm. does, to get to get informed about what my cho- choices are and found out that there was nothing available hmm. um, it, that was fresh. So I went back to the store and bought all the fruits and vegetables and made all of it, you know, had puree my eyelashes and <laughs> did that so many times uh, a week. Uh-huh. Babies eat a lot all the time, and they're very finicky, and so just wanted to give her fresh. I was trying to be good, but I was so exhausted. You know, parenting is so tiring. And because cleaning everything. out your blender every nine oh, seconds. Oh, you know, putting little ice cubes, and she's screaming because she's hungry, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm trying to thaw it so fast. And, <laughs> or I make a whole bunch of apples and broccoli, and, you know, she throws it off. I, You know, I don't want that anymore, and, well, why not? You know, that's yeah. I just made that. I just made a whole pound of that. This is what you have to eat. So um, it was kind of more out of desperation than anything and kind of shock and awe, really, of this established, like you were saying, category that they didn't have this option in all of it. It was just shelf-stable. And then, of course, I did my research and realized how they keep all of that um, shelf-stable, what they have to do to the food. And that's how, you know, Pure Spoon was Mm -hmm. started. So Pure Spoon is the first company in the country to offer fresh options for little guys. It's kind of unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. so so you launch a refrigerated line. Did it scare you off at all that the rest of the category was all sort of jars or frozen or <laughs> something else? But, you know, you were kind of truly being innovative? I think that I have got a little bit of a crazy side because <laughs> the more people told me that nobody had done it or that you couldn't do it made me want to do it more. Um, <clears throat> and the, I found out later the reason people said that you couldn't do it is because nobody had done it before. So... It, it was, I just wanted to give all moms what I wanted to see and couldn't find. So um, yes and no, you know, yeah. answer your question. So did did you have any background in no. la- <laughs> in launching no. in brands? So no. what, how did you? Um, no, I've never done none a None of that set you back at all? Um, no, it kind of drove me more because, you know, I had a tutoring company before and we talked about that earlier. I had a tutoring company before and I like to start things. That wasn't right. the first company that Got I started. Got an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, so yep. I, I I get that from my father. And so the more difficult it is, apparently, the more interested I am. And <laughs> I got to roll up my sleeves and learn about HPP, high-pressure pasteurization. Right. I created and engineered the containers because there wasn't even a container out there that we could use. So for me, it was challenging, which made it fun. That's that's spectacular. I mean, it's you well, got to be brave. You could try to, to go to Mars like or something if you really want to. <laughs> yeah, challenge. that's next week. She's going to try and go <laughs> interplanetary next week. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Very cool. I have to say too, because obviously, if you're listening, you can't see, but the colors are so bright. Like Thank it's very you. obvious that they're fresh. Can we try some? Yeah, of course. I want to. So, what's what's your favorite flavor? Um, I love avocado, and oh, so this good. is creamy avocado and pear, which is probably our. Oops, sorry. sorry. Our most right. popular that one. Uh, flavor, and our product or our, our ingredients, it's either lightly steamed fruits or vegetables, you know, so we can soften mm-hmm. them, so we puree them, or they remain fresh. So mm. that avocado just comes to us; it's nothing's pre-made, which is very unusual for baby food. 
And um, oh, that's carrots and zucchini. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. This says butternut squash, apples, and oats. and we just we hand make it, so everything's okay, done I'm here in try. Austin. So I'm trying the. Which one am I trying then? If I pass that's the simply avocado pears. one to Ryan, simply pear. All right, oh my here gosh, we go. That's actually, that's really, actually good. Really good. Oh wow. So that's the butternut it's squash. It's like an I apple like sauce hummus. You or gotta something. try the butternut it's squash too. It's spectacular. I mean, is it the ingredient deck is spectacular? Just pears, avocados, and lemon juice. That has a little lemon juice. Is it weird? And sometimes, not all the time. Do adults have? It? Yes. Because so that's it's like an it almost is like the consistency of an applesauce. Exactly. Right. Much more flavorful. Super flavor flavorful. <laughs> I know <laughs> those words. Well that's what happens when you don't yeah. overprocess food, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so good too. And our butternut squash actually comes from Johnson's backyard. Yes. So and I always say we like ugly fruit and vegetables. Right. Which is a whole movement, right? Yeah. You're saving movement. that and it's big for the planet. I'm big on that. Wow. Yeah, spe- so spectacular. How did you get the product made? How did you come up with the name, like when, when you were beginning, what were the two big tough things for entrepreneurs? How'd you get past those? Um, well, I think that one of the biggest things, just starting. Like, were you making it yourself? I made all of, you know, everything for my daughter. So I right, kind of but when started, you started <clears throat> making it for the public, did you make it yourself still or you had to go I to I did a, for a while. Wow. I was in the kitchen. I still actually go every once in a while and they try to push me out and say, you, you've got to. Get, take off the apron. Take off yeah. the apron. I'm like no, you gotta. <laughs> I gotta make sure. And we're, you know, there's 11 flavors right now, but there's there's so much more sort of in oh, my deck that we, we. Thank you. That uh, mm. we want to get out. So getting started to answer your question, that's always I think a big hurdle. Um, it's you know it's like writing a big paper for school, mm-hmm. and you're staring at the blank screen. Uh, okay, it's gotta get a word out. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to use that analogy, I remember in college, sometimes it's easier for me to write the conclusion than the intro paragraph. So you have to focus on, okay, what is this in my mind going to look like at the end? And then sometimes it's easier to go backwards. Yeah, exactly right. And where you're going to start and go forward. I do the same thing if I'm building anything, a presentation, a paper. I lay out like just the flow of it with bullet points, and then it's so much easier. It's like where do you want to end up and then work backwards? Yeah, then trying to come up with that wildly creative Mm -hmm. first sentence. You have to break it down into manageable pieces, or it's going to be so – I mean, it's already daunting, but it's going to be – you don't want to stunt the – the the leap off, yeah, you know, to mm-hmm. get love things it. started. You are a true entrepreneur. Well, you've talked about how you felt like the industry responded, but how did mm-hmm. your friends and family respond when you said you're? Oh, gonna start they're this used. Company? I'm so crazy. I mean, they're used to it. <laughs> you don't strike me as a crazy, I as a fellow know. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crazy, meet crazy. And, right. But here's here's the here's what makes it even more sort of um, ironic is I don't like to cook. Oh, I'm well. not a chef. <laughs> You know, I don't want to be a chef. And so that's what makes it so funny. And Pure Spoon came about because I didn't want to do it. I did it because I was wanted the best for my daughter. Right. But it wasn't because I wanted to spend time in the kitchen making this stuff. I wanted mm. somebody to do it for mm-hmm. me. So let's create a company in this massive white space that's so obvious in this market share and how do I do it and do it well mm-hmm. for moms like me who are like, please, Lord Jesus. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you have, you're concocting all these recipes. How do you get into your first store? How do I get in my first store? I, you know, I, right place, right time, and kind of a stroke of luck, I think. You, you know, you want to be prepared. But I was starting all this in Austin. I, I sort of did uh, Pure Spoon full time right after I moved to Austin. And Whole Foods is here. Mm-hmm. And while I was creating this, we had some consultants helping us, and Whole Foods heard about it. 
And so I just got an email that said, hey, we'd like to meet with you. And I hadn't even wow. got my cogs down. And wow. That's, well, that's how. serendipitous. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And then, you know, you get into one and the other one's here. And mm-hmm. and then it, it's, it's not that easy, but that's sort of, you know, looking back how it happened. So your seed round, how much were you self-funded? How much did you have to go out and raise money? Uh, and what was that like? So I always tell everybody when you're going to do something like this, Always double what you think it's going to be, and that's probably about right. That is so true. It's and a, people don't know that because they everybody takes the attitude like, what's the least I can get away with? Yeah. And what will work? And that's all I'll ask for, and it never works Mm-mm. perfectly. Mm-mm. Love it. No, I, I think double that's is so more. True. But w- it was it was uh, self-funded for a very long time, and then we had partners come in at the beginning of this year, which finding funding and doing that whole process is a full-time job. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. How, how is the product selling? It's doing well. Um, what's surprising to us is I my dream when I was a new mom was to have it come to me, delivered right to my front door. So kind of on a whim over the summer, we launched online mm-hmm. on Amazon and on our website, purespoon.com, mm-hmm. just to see if people like it. And we will be about half, um, it could be this month, maybe next month, half our sales are wow. for retailers and half are online. That's perfect. So wow. we're, perfect. we're really wanting to kind of hone in on the online sales. So the theme of our show mm-hmm. th- today is about, you know, the folks who come up with something innovative. The flip yes. side of that coin is always education. How do you yeah. tell people, how do you get people to know, wait a minute, I want a baby food, but I should look over here in the fresh refrigerated area. Yeah. How do you tell consumers about it? And Tough. that's actually more difficult than convincing the buyers at the uh, re- retailers that this is a great product. Because they love to dip into that baby category and they're very educated already. Right. Well, and they the, get, the baby they get food what... category in and of itself is stale. Yeah. And it, not much has changed really since the 1930s, except for now they sell it in a pouch, which is more damaging to the food. Oh, so, interesting. So we are actually kind of the first since the 1930s to offer a better a better product, a better option for baby food. So they love it. So that's that I thought would be the difficult part. That's been fun. Those are my fun days when I travel and I pitch to the buyers. I like yeah. all of that. And then you get on the shelf. Yay, congratulations. You know, you had your, your margarita no or whatever. Con- consumers don't know to look for you it. You have to get it off the shelf. Yeah. You know, you get your first PO. It's very exciting. You get your second PO. That's to fill the distribution centers. The third PO means people are buying it. Right. And that's when you have your steak dinner, right? Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. get very excited. And so for us... How do you how do you target those new moms? And that's been <laughs> that's been a lot of work, money, and time. Yep. But social media has been huge. You know, our our audience is new moms, um, and and press. We hired a PR firm, a couple actually, since we started that, and they've been very helpful. And then again, just like the retailers, you know, so so we launched in Walmart, and now we're talking to Target. They all they all hear of each other. The same thing with press. Um, there was just a big story with USA Today of, of what's in baby food, and we were one of the top five brands. And so now people are picking up on that, Red Tricycle, you know, the bump. And so they all kind of follow each other. And so mm-hmm. that's been been really helpful. But, again, it costs money, yeah. about double what you think it's going to be Absolutely. to do all of that. This segment has flown by because this is interesting. I, the product's I, cool. I really want to eat more i know oh i have been i've been just I mean, polishing this off this is it's spectacular really good it is Thank i will you. i'd so eat this and will as an adult i just had no idea because you're thinking oh it must be for babies but it's delicious thank you um last question yep w- what's the big vision where do you want to take this thing 
So we would we we named it Pure Spoon because we didn't want it just to be baby food. We wanted it to be for everyone. So we're going to grow this line so it's for all ages, all the way up to elderly because the elderly population doesn't have anything that's fresh either. Yep. So they could still obviously use Pure Spoon. We start with purees and we kind of end But they don't know, but you got to package it that way and have them know that's available. Exactly. That's an interesting evolution. How, if people want to know more about your brand, how do they find out? What's the website? PureSpoon.com. PureSpoon.com. Pretty straightforward. Yes. Yeah, find you on social media, I'm Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, yes. All right. This is great. Allison, thank you so much. You're Pure so Spoon, welcome. amazing. Uh, we learned a lot, and we're gonna we're now fans, and we'll go try and buy the product. Mm-hmm. Thank so that's you. That's good. Thank you for being on the Natural You're Underground. Welcome. Thank you. When we come back, we've got all kinds of more cool stuff. You're listening. <laughs> I don't even know what that means to the Natural <laughs> Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground, the radio show and podcast dedicated to what, Jessalyn? The natural food industry. The natural food industry. Hey, in this segment of the show, and really all show, we've been talking about how do entrepreneurs use innovation to really flip the script on very established categories, things Mm -hmm. you think you already know. For years, if people talk to me about dressings, marinades, barbecue sauce, those kinds of things, you're kind of like, wow, there's so many of them. Yeah. But every once in a while, you come across somebody that's doing something really different. I mean, mm-hmm. really different. And I'm a barbecue guy. You know that. I once flipped. I didn't flip my car. That would be more dramatic a statement on barbecue sauces. But I once passed a barbecue place on an open freeway in Colorado, the interstate between Colorado Springs and Denver. Got so excited, I drove across the medium. So I could get to an You exit. drove across a medium or yeah, a median? No, a median. Oh, sorry. Not yeah, there was a lady in the middle yeah, was, oh projecting my, my future. And then I drove across to her. Um, mediums and psychics are different, Al. Okay, Mediums sorry, connect with that. the spirit world and psychics <laughs> predict the future. And that's why Sharon's going to be very, very worried when he meets you. All right. So our guest today in that same spirit, like we can't be more excited about anything related to foodie stuff, barbecue. You're going to love this guy. Welcome to the Natural Underground Sharon Hackman of Hacks Barbecue. Thanks, Al. Thanks for having me. Man, it's so good having you on. I'm going to start. Likewise. I'm going to say this. Obviously, when (laughs) we have a guest on the show, it's our job to prepare. Uh, I maybe went into a new realm of stalking. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I got to know, how was Master Chef? What is Gordon Ramsay like? And how bold of you to try a sous vide when you had never used the machine before? Tell me about it. Pronto. Sure. <laughs> you're not even giving me the opportunity to like say hello and say this is twelve minutes of just hell, man. And no. you gotta, you're walking right into it. That's amazing. That's so funny. Um yes. First question. Let me go at it, right? Um, how was it? It was amazing. I mean, so I you know, it was it was an amazing experience for me. It was um uh, it was sort of like this really um you know, just amazing pivoting shift in my life and the direction that I uh, was going to go in. So, I mean, before MasterChef, I was in finance. I was a VP at a big, big financial institution and been doing that for a very long time. And there's a kid in L.A. that kind of grew up with uh, 
with parents that probably a lot of you guys and a lot of people listening can relate to is like, you know, go to school, get a good job, like uh, go be a doctor or a lawyer or do some sort of, you know, have some sort of career path. That's kind of what I did. Um, not realizing what my true passion was, just realizing I got to go make some money. And I was always very entrepreneurial minded. Um, and, you know, I, that's a different story. And I'll tell you all the different fun projects that I've gotten in trouble for and had a lot of fun being a right. little mini entrepreneur in my younger days. But um, I got, uh, I, yeah, I was in that and food was just something that I loved. Food something that drove me. It excited me, but I could never see myself really getting into a career in it because it's, I would do go be a chef and leave my career as a VP, you know, like, how does that make any sense? But then how um, did you get on was, the show? How did you get on the show then? Yeah, so what happened was, goodness, so what happened was um, in 2008, 2009, uh, when the economy wasn't just, you know, where it was, was where it was, right? We were in the recession, market right. was just down and tanking and whatever little passion, whatever little love I had left for that space just really kind of evaporated, right? It just went away. I could not get out of bed. I could not look at my clients in the eyes and tell them what I think they should be doing with their funds and monies because I just didn't believe in a lot of it, right? And um, and I decided to take a leave of absence. Um, and I was going to, you know, just take off. And my wife and I were going to go travel for a little bit. And I was going to just try to kind of recalibrate and figure out what is it that I want to be doing with my life. And right before she took off, we were going to take off a couple of weeks before she was pregnant. Um, and so that really changed <laughs> the whole grand, you know, the, the whole big grand <laughs> idea of going to figure things out and, and going to <laughs> right. explore and doing what we wanted to do. And so I came back and got to work. Right. And then so funny thing is, my kid was born in January 2010. My oldest one is Luca. And uh, it really just kind of changed me. Um, just my perspective, just my, the way I was thinking, it was just, I don't know. I can't, can't really describe it to you guys. It just really did change me um, in great ways, in amazing ways. And I think the biggest way was I'm, I'm a role model. Like I'm raising a kid and what, what better role model to be than somebody that I'm proud of myself, like right. by example. And I don't want to be the dad that's saying, Hey, go get a good job. I want to be the dad that says, I follow your dreams. Like, let me help inspire you, find what drives you and what excites you. And how could I do that if I'm not doing that for myself? And so yep. uh, funny thing was I finally did, ended it with, uh, with the finance space, and I had all these different entrepreneurial ideas that I wrote down. They were all like – funny thing was 85, 85 to 90% of them were all really food-related. Um, and I had a friend of mine, a close friend of ours, my wife and I, and, and she was uh, a producer, and she said, you know, there's this awesome new show called MasterChef, and it's coming in the U.S., and – uh, you should go on it. And I'm from L.A., right, guys? So I'm not, like, coming to L.A. with this big American dream of being a movie star and uh, a rock star or, you know, whatever it is, or a celebrity chef or whatever you have it, right? I'm pretty jaded to it. You know, I've seen celebrities all my life growing up. And so being in TV was really nothing and something I've never considered nor had a desire to do. Um, and I was like, no, I'm good. And the auditions were actually, the, the, like, down the street from my house at the Grove, which is in LA. Right, oh, yeah. sure, and know my, it well. Yeah, my wife was like, what do you have to lose? Just go. I was like, all right, fine. So I cooked up something, and I went over there, and the line was like around the block twice. It was like six hours. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm staying in this line. So I cut in, and I got in like 15 minutes. And <laughs> next thing I know, I like they're tasting my food, and next thing I know, I'm on the show. And next thing wow. I know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just fully in it, um, you know, 
learning and, and experiencing it all and getting the opportunity to work with Gordon Ramsay and go through the whole on-camera thing. And I loved it. I walked away from it just realizing, like, oh, this is great. This is fun. I can I can own this. I can enjoy this. It doesn't it doesn't intimidate me. I mean, it's just like the camera doesn't bug me at all, and, and let's go. And so from there, um, I just kind of broke down the door and, and more doors and just kept going on that path and started doing more and more TV and different types of cooking shows and different types of stuff that led into even over the past years, even more pop culture stuff, talk shows outside of just the food space. Alone. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I did my okay. research. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's like, okay. No, just uh, oh, I know. it was exciting because a lot of our guests, you know, are uh, haven't been on a nationwide television show, so there was a lot uh, to watch and go from. It was really, it's really cool seeing having seen the show. I would have never thought that it was so quick and you didn't have any background experience. It's really cool to know that backstory of it. Well, you were comfortable in, in front of the camera, and I think you were also nimble from coming from the work that you had done prior. Yeah. Sort of could think on your feet, which is probably half the battle. Right. It's like when you watch uh, uh, Shark, what, Shark, Tank? Shark Tank, the people that can't think on their feet are just dead men walking or dead women walking. I know. It's sometimes awful. I have to turn it off because it's just too much. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you end up – so you, you – did you set out to launch a brand of food or or a barbecue sauce first? Like, how were you thinking? I just want to launch something, or did you think I've got a sauce here that will blow people away? So that that's kind of like the next chapter of the story for me because um, you know I studied, I, I did the whole restaurant thing. I traveled, I traveled uh, pretty much all over the world. I filmed a lot with in Asia, uh, which is just unreal and an amazing experience and just opened up sort of my mind to um, so much that the world of food has. Right. And it was just, it was a lot of fun, right. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I, I have this entrepreneurial spirit to me and, you know, the idea of just, okay, like hosting a cooking show and doing all that stuff. That sounds great, but I just try, I don't want to sound like egotistic because that's not it. It's just like, I just feel like I have a different calling. My calling is bigger than that. It's, I really want to have an impact in life. I want to have an impact in um, in people's lives. I want to create things that people can enjoy, and you know, whether it's inspire them, give them something tastier, create something that's more convenient for them. Those are all things that kind of excite me. Those are all the things that kind of check my box of happiness. Mm-hmm. And so um, I go back to that, you know, that whole notepad that I was telling you with all these different entrepreneurial ideas on the show on Master Chef. Um, I, one of the challenges, one of the uh, episodes, we did a, you know, like a this big barbecue. Al, you would have loved it if you were there. It was about 2,000 Marines down in Camp Pendleton, right on the beach. And it was a day before they were all getting sent out and toured Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And I cooked up, I think, I think like three or 400 pounds of tri-tip. Oh. And I made, I always made my barbecue sauce from scratch, right? And so, and I always made different flavors. And my friends always called it like Hacks Barbecue Sauce because my nickname's always been Hacks since... High school basketball, like my last name is Hackman, so it's just what they called me. Mm-hmm. And um, I made like this big 15 gallon vat of my Chipotle bourbon barbecue sauce, and Gordon uh, comes up to me and, like, just off camera after the show, um, can I curse on this podcast? Or uh, we can, we bleep, can it out. bleep it out for you. All right. Maybe it tells me, Sharon, that's the best <laughs> barbecue sauce I've ever had. <laughs> and. and and um, I was like, cool. And so it went down on my notepad one of those nights. And when I went down the grocery store after the show and a few months passed and I was just kind of looking at it, there was just all these 
basic barbecue sauce. It's just so basic and generic, like old Bubba Joe's and Smokey Jack. That's I'm right. Not naming names. I'm trying to be respectful, right? But like original and bold and tangy, and like what what does all that mean? Everything was, was like, kind of a cowboy on the front, or a cactus, yep. or an old mountain, right. or yep. something. Yeah. Yep. Nothing. Nothing with like really cool appeal. And I was like. Maybe maybe I'd make my own, and I just like maybe I'd bring something that's got really elevated, cool packaging that really pops and sticks out with flavors that really inspire a global perspective on barbecue sauce versus just American, right? So how do I bring an American barbecue sauce, but in, like influence it and kind of like bring in and meld in flavors from around the world that work in other barbecues? So things like flavors like habanero pineapple were born in Thai chili tamarind, which is sweetened with dates and there's lemongrass and ginger in there, but it's a barbecue sauce, right? Mm -hmm. But it works. Um, my smoked maple mustard. So those all were born. And so I went to a local manufacturer down here in Southern California, uh, put a deposit down, loaded up my backpack and started going door to door and selling barbecue sauce. So literally, um, I became a door to door barbecue sauce salesman. That's, uh, but that's just what it took. And that's, that's spectacular though. Okay. How cool is to open the door? Like, yeah, you, you may have seen me on master chef. I'm here to talk to you about our barbecue sauce. That is yeah. awesome. What go back to uh, you, you, I don't want to blow past your flavors because the flavors really do bring, you know, our whole show is about innovation. So just take one of them and break them down. They're just very unique. So, uh, talk to us about one of those flavors and just how you got there. Sure. Um, you know, like my Chipotle bourbon, I'll go into that. That's our best seller, right? And, um, you know, for me, I like, look, I wanted depth. I wanted complexity in a barbecue sauce. Like, I want you to try something, and I don't want it to just be like, oh, it's sweet, or it's kind of tangy, you know, or it's a little smoky. Like, I feel like it, it, there should be layers. It should be an experience. Almost like, you know, if you're a, good, if you're a fan of scotch or good bourbons and ryes or whatnot, like, you know, there's layers, right? You, you're going to start with, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's a sweetness or a note of vanilla or cinnamon off there, right? With my Chipotle bourbon, that's kind of the same approach that I have. Like, you open that up, like, the first thing that you're going to get off that is you're going to get a sweetness because there's the molasses, there's the brown sugar, and that's kind of the first thing that's going to come at you. But then you're going to get a little really nice bite of acidity through it, which is the apple cider vinegar that we have in there. And um, that hit of bourbon that gives it that nice sort of, like, tart kind of cut like oh okay there's there's that right and then it just get that, that tomato paste and again i went through iterations we've sourced several different types of tomato we've gone through several different types of tomato suppliers to find the one with the right like the right flavor the right texture that we don't have to do too much too right that that makes a difference right um a sweeter tomato paste doesn't make me have to use additional sugar in there which is not as complex as say as the molasses or just the sweetness that you're going to pull out of a tomato, right? And so you, you get that body in there. And then the finish is great because we have six different roasted and smoked chilies that get in there and they get pureed into the batch. And I, yeah, I'm not going to name them all because it's kind of a secret, but things like ancho right. chilies, morita chilies, pasilla chilies, chipotle chilies, right? So I give you four out of the six. Yeah, um, I like it. The rest go. is a mystery. And But it's yeah. you, you've done such an amazing job of finding those flavors and reinventing Barbecue sauce. It really is the barbecue sauce and a whole lot more. Ryan was talking about packaging earlier. He was blown away. Yeah, your, your barbecue sauce packaging is really eye-catching and unique. How, how did you settle on that design? Uh, a lot. Just a lot of adoration. Um, you know, it's so funny because it's a, a great story. One of my closest friends who's still a, a partner and, and, a, and a founding partner in my company, 
Um, his name's Tony, and he's a great friend of mine. Um, and we met on MasterChef. He was a uh, he was a PA on the show, and we just hit it off. He's what like 21 years old. He just moved in from Chicago and went to school as a graphic designer. And um, we just became friends. And I just a random idea. I said, look, if I do something um, in the food space or anything, and I need design work, I'll reach out to you. I promise you. And um, I promised him I would. I did after. Um, and when I started the company, I reached out to him and we got together and, you know, we had a couple of sessions and brainstorming sessions and um, he helped develop the packaging for it. And, you know, we just, we had a lot of fun with it and he's still a part of the company and runs all the creative packaging for us. So from our barbecue sauces to our cooking sauces to the salad dressings to some of the other stuff that we've got in the innovation pipeline coming out next year, he's, you know, he quarterbacks it all. And so it's a, it's an awesome partnership and, and I'm, I'm grateful that we, uh, we had the opportunity to meet on a on a random show like MasterChef. So. Yeah, and we only have a, a, maybe two minutes left. I wanted to ask you, wh- for people who are already so hungry listening to this, like I am, uh, like we all are, all are. Wow, I'm gonna. Sure. That's beautiful. Like we are. How do you? Where do you find hacks? Uh, starting with the barbecue sauce. You know, where can you find it around the country? Oh, you would know that better than me, probably, man. <laughs> yeah, I know that, but I'm, I'm asking you. Just give us a couple of highlights. Yeah, no, of course. Um, you can find it at most grocery stores around the country. Um, I mean, anywhere from um, a Kroger or any of the banners that Kroger are under. Uh, we launched in Walmart this past year as well. You can find us at Target, which is fantastic. You can find us at most most grocery stores that you would shop at, like Safeway, Albertsons, a lot of the larger retailers have it. Yeah. And then if you've got a lot of those, you know, natural specialty accounts, um, you know, I would say in your region, you know, those 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 particular, uh, I, I can't name them all because every region, you know, yeah, every yeah, place yeah. you live has got something else. But most everywhere. And if you can't find it, then you can always find it online. It'll I mean, that's, that's and, for sure. And I'm telling you, as a, you know, listeners, you – you got to try it if you're a foodie or if you love just barbecue sauce and good eating, you're going to be blown away by this. Uh, last question for you. So we talk all the time on this show about innovation, and you've certainly done it. You've reinvented a very established category. How do you tell consumers about that? How do you say we're not just – I bet it starts with the packaging – but it, we're just not the 57th barbecue sauce out there that you spotted on the shelf. How do you get the word out to consumers about hacks? That's a great question. Uh, it's a really good question. I think that's a question, if I answer that truthfully, um, I would say that's a question that we're constantly learning. And that, that that's something that I don't, I can't tell you that I have found that profound answer to because it's always shifting. It's always, you know, uh, people's palates, people's perspective, what, what they expect from food is always growing and shifting. And, and so is the demands that we have for ourselves and what we want to provide our customers. And I would say, for me, it's all about, um, you know, I, I would say there's several words that help drive that, which is integrity and quality and making sure that people see that, right? And like, what, what, you know, yes, the packaging helps, but you look at the back and you look at the ingredient deck and you say to yourself, God, I know what all these ingredients are. You know, there's not a 15-syllable word in there that makes no sense to me. Why should that be in my food? Um, that's something that I think matters. Um, again, having fun and pushing the envelope with flavor profiles and not being afraid to be bold and take risks with, with how you want to come out there, right? The, who needs another original flavor, right? Like, right. What does that mean, right? So Bring in variety, it's, it's man. It's about taking risks. Exactly it's, right. It's and sometimes variety. you're going to mess up. 
sometimes you're going to mess up, but you just get back up and fix it and learn from it and, and use that lesson and hopefully make something even better the next time. That's classic entrepreneurship. Sharon, it's been spectacular having you on the show. I'm telling you, people, go try the stuff. It is that delicious, and it's fun and flavorful, and there's a lot of variety. It's going to change up the way you cook. Sharon, thank you. Uh, where, if people want to know oh, more, you. what's what's your website? Yeah. Oh, it's just hacks.com, H-A-K-S.com. Perfect. Super easy. Sharon, thank you for being on The Natural Thanks, Underground. Thanks, We're going to get you back soon. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate right. it. Absolutely. All right. In our final segment, we're going to talk about what are those tricks to turn innovation into success in very established categories. You're listening to The Natural Underground. Welcome back to the Natural Underground. How great were those guests? Yeah, um, I'm still eating. You're still eating the pure spoon, and <laughs> I I'm ate all the butternut. Already squash. thinking about maybe barbecue for I lunch. I am dreaming about barbecue. Oh, we got to do that afterwards. Look, I'm so jealous when I see people building their own food companies because you know they're just going to be so successful. But we mm-hmm. like to have them on the show anyway. Yeah, even even though we're and then jealous. we can eat it, and then they That's can right. do the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So before we jump into our final segment, we are going to, we usually do this in the first segment. We're we mixing do. it up. Oh, we Things really are getting crazy. Changed, up, changed it up. We are, we take a few minutes, we try to, to talk about our new healthy favorite snack, goodie, restaurant, whatever addictions, it may be. Addictions. And of course, we call this segment Pie Hole. Time's wasting, don't you know? Put something tasty in my old pie hole. Oh, for the last time, Pie Hole. I like it. Pine hole, pie hole. Yeah, for Ryan. Ryan's barely emotional. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's moved on. Uh, <laughs> all right, mine, I'll start. Waterloo Sparkling Water. So I don't if think you I've know, oh, there's a collection of guys that have launched so many brands in our industry and they're behind Waterloo. We won't even give them any more props because they don't need any more props. But if you're a fan of LaCroix, which I am, is that Lotto, how you pronounce it? Yeah. Uh, what did you think it was? La Croix. <laughs> La Croix. Kind of. <laughs> gonna make yeah. a noise. <laughs> I would love to see you order La Croix. Yeah, La Croix. Uh, uh, <laughs> je voudrais en La Croix. Oh, very nice. <laughs> like this stuff is going to make you even happier. Waterloo comes, it's in seven flavors. Cool packaging, of course, because the guys who did it. Each yeah. really good. And somehow, you know, it's interesting what they've done. Because the most re- recent La Croix I've been drinking is key lime pie. And it's good, but it's a little a little intense. Key lime a, pie? Yeah. Not just a, key lime? Well, maybe it's just key lime. Hmm. <laughs> I guess they didn't get the crust in there. But <laughs> but anyway, um, this stuff is amazing because I think they've done the perfect job of getting the flavors, not too sweet, not too overwhelming, just perfect. So I would check it out. Waterloo. I think it's waterloo.com. Drinkwaterloo.com. You're going to mm-hmm. love it. Yes? Perfect. Well, <sighs> I'm big. I love going to Trader Joe's. Who yep. doesn't? Who doesn't? And I have discovered a little gem. I love, well, I like making my own pizza because mm-hmm. I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't just go get a pizza. So I have to mm-hmm. put, you know, all the vegan cheese and whatnot on That's it. That's right. I discovered at Trader Joe's in the frozen department, they have a cauliflower pizza crust, which I've tried to make myself, but it's really uh, strenuous and it takes a while. And it never really gets crispy, but this stuff they have 
created it. It's a, just a plain cauliflower pizza crust. You can put whatever toppings that you want on it so it's full of like fiber and it doesn't have a bunch of unnecessary carbs. It's really delicious. It gets really crispy. It has a really interesting buttery flavor. It's healthier. I've been making them, popping those in the oven, putting veggies it's on top. It's amazing what they do now with all these sort of different yeah, veggies. Yeah, I love cauliflower. Yeah, so if you go to Trader good. Joe's, I had to go to two different locations because they sold out of it. Oh. So hurry. And what's it called? It just says Trader Joe's cauliflower pizza crust. All right. Product of Italy. Oh, that makes it, that makes it <laughs> I'm special. sure the Italians are like, are you serious? Come yeah, on. That's Come not on what we do. Now. That's not what we do. Ryan? My product is called Honey Badger. It's mm. sort of a pre-workout endurance formulas for kind of athletes. You take a little dust, you put it in your drink. Um, a lot of my buddies work out of the gym, and they use pre-workouts. Don't but pre-workouts. those aren't always healthy. Those no. are so beyond unhealthy. Yeah, You've never. It's like Russian what, chemicals. It's meant to jack you up. For yeah, and it's insane. I've used them before, and it feels like bugs are crawling over your skin. Oh, I, that's I feel not, like that's I think how it might as well be meth. That's how people, like, get in fights right. and stuff. And yeah, so yeah. he kind of tried to find a middle ground between that and the Vegas of the world that we're trading. You know, a very fruit-based one, but didn't have the same efficacy, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not so trying you to take it before a workout. You take it before a workout, and it gives you the energy and the focus you need to continue to do it. And it's a spectacular product. I met with him about two weeks ago. He's a super cool guy named Tony. Um, so you like mix it with water or you milk mix or it something? with water. And they've got a ton of uh, endurance athletes who use his endurance formula as well for marathons and things. And is it out there on the market? It is out there on the market. You can find it e-commerce. It's an HEB locally and it's exploding. So check it out if you're kind of an athlete looking for that solution that is both and kind of healthier pre-workout? for you and actually efficacious. It's just pre-workout. Pre-workout it's not- and endurance uh, stuff as well. He does not do like post-workout proteins. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's neat. I love it. Hey, I'm not a marathon runner, but you know. It sounds pretty interesting. I'm going to check mm-hmm. it out. In our final segment, we like to, to kind of steal classes from what we call New Brain University, although we're evolving that to something that I think is a little more catching and hopefully representative of what it is called Lessons from 100 Brands. The idea being that if you've worked with literally over 100, probably 125 brands now, as we have at the Touch Agency, you'll learn a few things mm-hmm. and you get a chance to have a front row seat to see what's working for some brands that have become successful. And we've had about 30 that have sold uh, in one form or the other out of that 120. So it's a pretty good batting average. And certainly the brands are the big driver of that, hopefully as well as us as a contributor. But you get a chance to see what are those things that tend to be common among the brands that make it? Mm-hmm. What are those challenges that were not maybe well handled that tended to kind of bring a brand to somewhere that they didn't want to go or Mm -hmm. they didn't quite make it. And we keep packaging those up and we're calling it lessons from 100 brands. So we want to apply some of that thinking today into our topic, our theme of the day to wrap up the show. And that topic is all about innovation, people trying to innovate in brand in a very established categories. We've said it since, you know, moment one of this show. And so what we want to do is go through five things. Uh, and that's my tip to our producer that we're going to talk about five things if he <laughs> if he has those buttons ready. I can do it. Yeah, no, I know you can. That'd be awful. Yeah. Number one. Number one. So, you don't like it? No, not as good. Okay. No, not as good at all. Mm-mm. All right, what are the five things? Let's do uh, number one. Number one. Mm, that's nice. Couldn't tell the difference. Yeah, I think it was exactly Sorry, the same. Yeah. <laughs> so... If you're really going to bring something innovative and think pure spoon in a refrigerated section, right? Nobody that buys baby food knows it's over there. Right. 
and you're making a bold move. So our recommendation is test that idea out on some real live consumers. You can do focus groups so informally yourself. And I know all this, the sort of consumer insights research people will freak out, but you can do these interviews and, and focus groups yourself and just say, hey, here's what I have. What do you think about it? Where would you expect to find it in the store? Even while they'd say, well, I guess it's got to be refrigerated. Then you could ask, well, where in the refrigerated area would you expect to see it? And that way, at least you're not basing everything you're launching on just sort of what you think you know. Because right. ultimately, it's real easy to start concocting something in your mind, and it's not the way the public's going to look I've, at it. I've never seen an entrepreneur be 100% right with their assumptions early on. It's amazing how never. many of them have to make that modification mm-hmm. along the way and stay flexible. Mm-hmm. Right. I like it. Number two. If your innovation takes you to another category, again, like the baby food or, or anything that kind of, you know, takes you into a place where maybe the regular category is not established, take the time to get to know that category. Don't assume you're just bringing the, the innovation, the new idea, the cool thing, and they're all just going to go, oh, wow, we love it. Now, in fairness, in Allison's example for Pure Spoon, the trade really likes it because, hey, wow, this is incremental business you're bringing mm-hmm. to my world. So they kind of find it cool. But learn to speak the language of that department. I promise you, in her case, she had to learn what the refrigerated buyers talked about and what they thought of that section of the store versus maybe what was going on in a classic jar baby food aisle. Make sense? So take the time to learn that language and learn that world before you go in. Number three. So this is the part we kind of ask about, and it's it's hard to put entrepreneurs on the spot for this because on one hand, they may not have thought through it enough yet, um, and even Sharon kind of talked about that from Hacks, is that like, hey, we're still, with all the effort and creativity and media savviness that he has, you know, he was saying, hey, we're still working through trying to figure out how do I educate people, the consumers, the public, about what this is and how to use it. Mm-hmm. Again, if you got something different, people don't know how to use it. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting. So take the time to say, all right, I'm going to formalize a plan that says, okay, if I have barbecue sauces that really are wildly different flavors, interesting different recipes, how do I find a way? And his example of doing that at Camp Pendleton, that that's a perfect well, And case. on his website, I was looking for every, he has recipes on there and not just a picture and step-by-step. Step. He has a video for every single recipe. That right. really talks through this is exactly how to make it. And I think as a consumer, seeing someone take the time to let, I mean, it's foolproof if there's a video. Right. right. I think taking the time to do that really helps with education. Absolutely. Number four. All right. Fourth of five. And this is sometimes a part that's easy to overlook. And, and Allison from Pure Spoon mentioned this. She said, okay, I got on the shelf. I got people excited about it. I got it there. Now, what was her challenge? Do you remember? Her challenge was bringing consumers, bringing to consumers the there mm-hmm. and pulling it off the shelf. That is always the challenge. Well, there is a little step in between there that I think if you're really business building and brand building, you have to remember, and that is to manage expectations. Help the people, the buyers of these chains, HEB, Safeway, Kroger, Whole Foods, Sprouts, whoever, Trader Joe's, make sure that they understand Keep reminding them that, A, it's going to take a little while for consumers to find a baby food in the refrigerated mm-hmm, set. Right. But once they do, once they do, they're going to get turned on to it and sales are going to build. Mm-hmm. So a, a little trick for doing that is bringing in little sales reports. Every time you see them, emailing it to them saying, hey, just wanted to celebrate. We now move to X amount of units per door per week right. or 
kind of showing them that progression. Mm. And remind them that innovation takes time. Innovation takes time, but it's worth it because it's most likely going to bring some incremental business, incremental volume to their category. Number five. Number five, I think... When you're talking about innovation, the, the, the last thing you can do, the, the, the key thing to do, and it's certainly not the last, even though it's our fifth point, is to find those influencers over those people. The moms, the moms of the world and the baby category, you can't think of a better example right. than that, well, right? You can't think of a higher like learning curve. That's right, because <laughs> suddenly <laughs> well, now I have a human. <laughs> entire world is different. And uh-huh. therefore, right. it has a ton of really big influence. In research and people yeah. who yeah. are really There's, stressed to figure out what's going that's on. That's right. And nobody is going to research more than a stressed out a word new of mom, mm-hmm. right? And then they have play groups and all their friends. So find those influencers, find the people that impact that and get them information about your product. Sounds like a layup, but I'm telling you, it is fundamental to getting it past that point where you sell enough being an innovative product that you can stay on the shelf and start to win. And one day, you know, sell your business for millions and live on the beach. Duh. That, that's the whole goal. <laughs> all goal of this thing, I think. That was perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Al. Cool. All right. Uh, that's our segment. I think that's our show, right? JP? Yes, it is. That was a really great show. I'm going to be eating Pure Spoon. So thank you to Allison and Sharon from Pure Spoon and from Hacks Barbecue. That was a great, great show. And Ryan, goodbye <laughs> and good night and good luck. Can you tell we're still working with the guy in other parts of the business? So it's not like, of course, you know, we, otherwise we'd be more emotional. As but this is more like, see, on, <laughs> we remember. Yeah. Okay. If you have questions, comments, or if you really didn't like that, I just did that, please email us at mm. info at it's the assumed. touch agency. It's at least one email for me. <laughs> it's assumed. <laughs> and we really appreciate you listening. We hope you tune in next week and have a great day. We'll see you next week. Take it easy, guys. Bye. Later. Bye.